Section 24 of A Popular History of France from the Earliest Times, Volume 5. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Popular History of France from the Earliest Times, Volume 5, by François Guizot. Translated by Robert Black. Chapter 39. Louis Thirteenth, Cardinal Richelieu and the Provinces, Part 1. The story has been told of the conspiracies at court and the repeated checks suffered by the great lords in their attempts against Cardinal Richelieu. With the exception of Languedoc, under the influence of its governor, the Duke of Montmorency, the provinces took no part in these enterprises. Their opposition was of another sort, and it is amongst the parliaments chiefly that we must look for it. Quote, the king's cabinet and his bedtime business, or petit coucher, cause me more embarrassment than the whole of Europe causes me, said the cardinal in the days of the great storms at court. He would often have had less trouble in managing the parliaments, and the parliament of Paris in particular, if the latter had not felt itself supported by a party at court. For a long time past, a pretension had been put forward by that great body to give the king advice, and to replace towards him the vanished states-general. We hold the place in council of the princes and barons, who from time immemorial were near the person of the kings, end quote, was the language used in 1615 in the representations of the Parliament, which had dared, without royal order, to summon the princes, dukes, peers, and officers of the crown to deliberate upon what was to be done for the service of the king, the good of the state, and the relief of the people. This pretension on the part of the Parliaments was what Cardinal Richelieu was continually fighting against. He would not allow the intervention of the magistrates in the government of the state. When he took the power into his hands, nine parliaments sat in France, Paris, Toulouse, Grenoble, Bordeaux, Dijon, Rouen, Esch, Rennes, and Pau. He created but one, that of Metz in 1633, to sever in a definitive manner the bonds which still attached the three bishoprics to the Germanic Empire. Trials at that time were carried in the last resort to Spire. Throughout the history of France we find the Parliament of Paris bolder and more enterprising than all the rest, and it did not belie its character in the very teeth of Richelieu. When, after Dupes Day was over, Louis Thirteenth declared all the companions of his brother's escape guilty of high treason, the Parliament of Dijon, to which the decree was presented by the king himself, enregistered it without making any difficulty. All the other parliaments followed the example. That of Paris alone resisted, and its decision on the 25th of April contained a bitter censure upon the cardinal's administration. On the 12th of May, the decision of that parliament was quashed by a decree of the royal council, and all its members were summoned to the Louvre. On their knees they had to hear the severe reprimand delivered by Chateauneuf, keeper of the seals, and one president and three councillors were at the same time dismissed. When the parliament, still indomitable, would have had those magistrates sit in defiance of the royal order, they were not to be found in their houses. The soldiery had carried them off. The trial of Marshal Marillac, before a commission, twice modified during the course of proceedings, of the Parliament of Dijon, was the occasion of a fresh reclamation on the part of the Parliament of Paris, and the king's ill-humour against the magistrates burst forth on the occasion of a commission constituted at the arsenal to take cognizance of the crime of coining the parliament made some formal objections the king who was at that time at metz with his troops summoned president seguier and several councillors he quashed the decree of the parliament quote, you are only constituted said he to judge between master peter and master john or between john doe and richard roe if you go on as at present i will pare your nails so close that you'll be sorry for it End quote. 
five councillors were interdicted and had great trouble in obtaining authority to sit again so many and such frequent squabbles whether about points of jurisdiction or about the registration of edicts respecting finances which the parliament claimed to have the right of looking into caused between the king inspired by his minister and the parliament of paris an irritation which reached its height during the trial of the duke of la valette third son of the duke of epernon accused not without grounds of having caused the failure of the siege of fontarabia from jealousy towards the prince of conde the affair was called on before a commission composed of dukes and peers, some councillors of state, and some members of the Parliament, which demanded that the duke should be removed to its jurisdiction. Quote, I will not have it, answered the king. You are always making difficulties. It seems as if you wanted to keep me in leading strings. But I am master, and shall know how to make myself obeyed. It is a gross error to suppose that I have not a right to bring to judgment whom I think proper and where I please. End quote. The king himself asked the judges for their opinion. Isambert, Recueil des Anciennes Lois Françaises. Quote, Sir, replied Councillor Pinon, Dean of the Grand Chamber, for fifty years I have been in the Parliament, and I never saw anything of this sort. Monsieur de la Valette had the honour of wedding a natural sister of your Majesty, and he is, besides, a peer of France. I implore you to remove him to the jurisdiction of the Parliament. Quote. Quote, your opinion, said the King curtly. Quote, I am of opinion that the Duke of La Valette be removed to be tried before the Parliament. End quote. Quote, I will not have that. It is no opinion. End quote. Quote, Sir, removal is a legitimate opinion. End quote. Quote, Your opinion on the case, rejoined the king, who was beginning to be angry. If not, I know what I must do. End quote. President Belièvre was even bolder. Quote, it is a strange thing said he to louis the thirteenth's face to see a king giving his vote at the criminal trial of one of his subjects hitherto kings have reserved to themselves the rights of grace and have removed to their officers province the sentencing of culprits could your majesty bear to see in the dock a nobleman who might leave your presence only for the scaffold it is incompatible with kingly majesty quote. Quote, your opinion on the case bade the king quote, Sir, I have no other opinion. End quote. The Duke of La Valette had taken refuge in England. He was condemned and executed in effigy. The Attorney General, Matthew Mould, quote, did not consider it his business to carry out an execution of that sort, quote, and recourse was obliged to be had to the Lieutenant Governor of Convicts at the Chatelet of Paris. End quote. The cup had overflowed, and the Cardinal resolved to put an end to an opposition which was the more irritating inasmuch as it was sometimes legitimate. A notification of the King's, published in 1641, prohibited the Parliament from any interference in affairs of state and administration. The whole of Richelieu's home policy is summed up in the preamble to that instrument, a formal declaration of absolute power concentrated in the hands of the King. Quote, it seemeth that the institution of monarchies having its foundation in the government of a single one, that rank is, as it were, the soul which animates them and inspires them with as much force and vigor as they can have short of perfection. But as this absolute authority raises states to the highest pinnacle of their glory, so, when it happens to be enfeebled, they are observed in a short time to fall from their high estate. There is no need to go out of France to find instances of truth." the fatal disorders and divisions of the league which ought to be buried in eternal oblivion 
owed their origin and growth to disregard of kingly authority henry the great in whom god had put the most excellent virtues of a great prince on succeeding to the crown of henry the third restored by his valour the kingly authority which had been as it were cast down and trampled under foot france recovered her pristine vigour and let all europe see that power concentrated in the person of the sovereign is the source of the glory and greatness of monarchies and the foundation upon which their preservation rests we then have thought it necessary to regulate the administration of justice and to make known to our parliaments what is the legitimate usage of the authority which the kings our predecessors and we have deposited with them in order that a thing which was established for the good of the people may not produce contrary effects as would happen if the officers instead of contenting themselves with that power which makes them judges in matters of life and death and touching the fortunes of our subjects would fain meddle in the government of the state which appertains to the prince only the cardinal had gained the victory parliament bowed the head its attempts at independence during the fronde were but a flash and the yoke of louis the fourteenth became the more heavy for it the pretensions of the magistrates were often foundationless the restless and meddlesome character of their assemblies did harm to their remonstrances but for a long while they maintained in the teeth of more and more absolute kingly power the country's rights in the government and they had perceived the dangers of that sovereign monarchy which certainly sometimes raises states to the highest pinnacle of their glory but only to let them sink before long to a condition of the most grievous abasement though always first in the breach the parliament of paris was not alone in its opposition to the cardinal the parliament of dijon protested against the sentence of marshal marillac and refused to its shame to bear its share of the expenses for the defence of burgundy against the duke of lorraine in sixteen thirty six a refusal which cost it the suspension of its premier president the parliament of brittany in defence of its jurisdictional privileges refused to enregister the decree which had for object the foundation of a company trading with the indies quote, for the general trade between the west and the east end quote, a grand idea of richelieu's the seat of which was to be in the roads of morbihan the company already formed was disheartened thanks to the delays caused by the parliament and the enterprise failed the parliament of grenoble fearing a dearth of corn in dauphiny quashed the treaties of supply for the army of italy at the time of the second expedition to mantua it went so far as to have the dealers granaries thrown open and the superintendent of finance Demery, was obliged to come to terms with the deputies of dauphiny quote, in order that they of the parliament of grenoble who said they had no interests but those of the province might have no reason to prevent for the future the transport of corn says richelieu himself in his memoir the parliament of rouen had always passed for one of the most recalcitrant the province of normandy was rich and consequently overwhelmed with imposts and several times the parliament refused to enregister financial edicts which still further aggravated the distress of the people in sixteen thirty seven the king threatened to go in person to rouen and bring the parliament to submission whereat it took fright and enregistered decrees for twenty-two millions it was no doubt this augmentation of imposts that brought about the revolt of the nu pieds or barefoots in sixteen thirty nine before now in sixteen twenty four and in sixteen thirty seven in perigord and rouergues two popular risings of the same sort under the name of croquins or paupers had disquieted the authorities and the governor of the province had found some trouble in putting them down the nu pieds were more numerous and more violent still from rouen to avranches all the country was ablaze at coutances and at vire several monopoliers and gabelleurs as the fiscal officers were called were massacred 
A great number of houses were burned, and most of the receiving offices were pulled down or pillaged. Everywhere the army of suffering, or armée de souffrance, the name given by the revolters to themselves, made appeal to violent passions. Popular rhymes were circulated from hand to hand in the name of General Nupier, or Barefoot, an imaginary personage whom nobody ever saw. Some of these verses are fair enough. Quote, Dear land of mine, thou canst no more. What boots it to have served so well? For see, thy faithful service bore this bitter fruit, the cursed Gabelle. Is that the guerdon earned by those who succoured France against her foes, who saved her kings, upheld her crown, and raised the lilies trodden down, in spite of all the foe could do, in spite of Spain and England too? Recall thy generous blood, and show that all posterity may know. Duke William's breed still lives at need. Show that thou hast a heavier hand than erst came forth from northern land a hand so strong a heart so high these tyrants all shall beaten cry from normans and the norman race deliver us o god of grace the tumult was more violent at rouen than anywhere else and the parliament energetically resisted the mob it had sent two councillors as a deputation to paris to inform the king about the state of affairs Quote, you may signify to the gentlemen of the parliament of rouen said chancellor Siguier, in answer to the delegates that i thank them for the trouble they have taken on this occasion i will let the king know how they have behaved in this affair i beg them to go on as they have begun i know that the parliament did very good service there in fact several councillors on foot in the street and in the very midst of the revolters had at the peril of their lives defended le tellier de tourneville receiver-general of gables and his officers whilst the whole parliament in their robes with the premier president at their head perambulated rouen amidst the angry mob repairing at once to the points most threatened insomuch that the presidents and councillors were quote, in great danger and fear for their skins histoire du parlement de normandie by m floquet it was this terror born of tumults and the sight of an infuriated populace which at a later period retarded the parliament in dealing out justice and brought down upon it the wrath of the king and of the cardinal meanwhile the insurrection was gaining ground and the local authorities were powerless to repress it there was hesitation at the king's council in choosing between marshal rantzau and m de gassion to command the forces ordered to march into normandy Quote, that country yields no wine said the king that will not do for rantzau or be good quarters for him and they sent colonel gassion not so heavy a drinker as rantzau a good soldier and an inflexible character first at cayenne then at avranches where there was fighting to be done at coutances and at elbeuf gassion's soldiery everywhere left the country behind them in subjection in ruin and in despair they entered rouen on the thirty first of december sixteen thirty nine and on the second of january sixteen forty the chancellor himself arrived to do justice on the rebels heaped up in the prisons whom the parliament dared not bring up for judgment Quote, I come to Rouen, he said, on entering the town, not to deliberate, but to declare and execute the matters on which my mind is made up. And he forbade all intervention on the part of the archbishop, Francis de Harlay, who was disposed, in accordance with his office of love, as well as the parliamentary name he bore, to implore pity for the culprits, and to excuse the backward judges. The chancellor did not give himself the trouble to draw up sentences. Quote, the decree is at the tip of my staff replied picot captain of his guards when he was asked to show his orders the executions were numerous in higher and lower normandy and the parliament received the wages of its tardiness 
all the members of the body, even the most aged and infirm, were obliged to leave Rouen. A commission of fifteen councillors of the Parliament of Paris came to replace provisionally the interdicted Parliament of Normandy, and when the magistrates were empowered at last to resume their sitting, it was only a six-months term. That is, the Parliament henceforth found itself divided into two fragments, perfect strangers one to the other, which were to sit alternately for six months. Quote, a veritable thunderbolt for that sovereign court, for by the six months' term, says M. Floquet, there was no longer any Parliament, properly speaking, but two phantoms of Parliaments, making war on each other, whilst the government had the field open to carve and cut without control. Quote, quote, All obedience is now from fear, wrote Grotius to Oschenstiern, Chancellor of Sweden. The idea is to exorcise and annihilate hatred by means of terror. Quote. Quote, this year, wrote an inhabitant of Rouen, there have been no New Year's presents or étrennes, no singing of the king's drinking song, or le roi boite, in any house. Little children will be able to tell tales of it when they have attained to man's estate. For never, these fifty years past, so far as I can learn, has it been so. Journal de l'Abbé de la Rue. The heaviest imposts weighed upon the whole province, which thus expiated the crime of an insignificant portion of its inhabitants. Quote, the king shall not lose the value of this handkerchief that I hold, said the superintendent Bouillon, on arriving at Rouen, and he kept his word. Rouen alone had to pay more than three millions. The province and its parliaments were henceforth reduced to submission. End of section 24